our topic today is one I bet you're really interested in. It's food um, and the ever the ever increasing question about how much should I have and what should I have and what shouldn't I have. With me is Molly Kimball, who has a fascinating career in that she's associated with Oxner in terms of um, health, uh, of, uh, of wellness and nutrition. She kind of goes her own way, too, uh, with her Eat Fit program, and it's kind of spreading throughout. And just um, life of person. She's got cookbooks and all kind of things. So, hi, Molly. Hi. I'm really excited to be here with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's begin. Um, your background is as a, what, a nutritionist? Right. A registered dietitian, technically. Is, is that as, the same thing? Okay. All right. You know it's not. It's not. Okay. It's not. It, it wouldn't be. Okay. Someone, uh, kind of the example we always give is like, let's just say like someone's grandmother knows a lot about food or, you know, uh, nutrition. Uh-huh. They, anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. Okay. And so the, 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 term is not credentialed, it's not licensed, and so there's no kind of governance on it. Whereas if someone's a registered dietitian, you know that they've been to undergrad for it, they've been through what's essentially kind of like a little master's, uh, almost like a residency for it, taken the boards, passed the exam, and, and is qualified to kind of work with you on those things. All right. So you, um, you're working with Oxner, which is, which is all over the place, and is doing a lot of things in all kind of different directions, you know? and uh, you're working what. What was the program that you were involved with? Yeah, so I started our nutrition program at Oshner Fitness Center. And so those in the greater New Orleans area may know it as Elmwood Fitness Center. It was that for years. Um, And that was my first job, like right out of my internship. So you do a dietetic internship, you take the exam. I finished my internship on a Friday. Hadn't even taken the exam to be a dietitian yet. Started my new job with the fitness center on a Monday. And the idea there was to, to start and build a nutrition program for people that was not an outpatient thing, not someone for people with diabetes or hypertension specifically. We get people with those, but wellness-focused and lifestyle-focused. And so in 99, you know, I was hired, built it, you know, kind of from the ground up, which was scary because when you're younger, you always are used to having someone to turn to as kind of your go-to. So to not have that, you know, felt a little intimidating. But over, over the years, kind of built it, built it. One of the things that I saw there's a big need for is meeting people where they are in terms of going out, eating out, restaurants. And so there was so many people that would say, when I'm preparing my own meals, I'm doing a great job. But when I go out to meet my friends, all bets are off. And then at the same time through that this window of time, we're talking five years, 10 years, you know, I was writing for the newspaper on the regular and a TV segment. And so some people then, you know how it is, people come up to you. They feel like they know you because they, they're familiar with what you've written or they, they hear you. And they talk to you like they, they're your friend. And that would happen to us at restaurants. And strangers would come up and say, I have high blood pressure. What should I order? Or I have this. Or they would be judgy. And they would be like, I can't believe you're eating here. There's nothing healthy to eat here. So my husband was like, Molly, you should work with restaurants to incorporate some like, symbol on the menu to say what's healthy. And over time, Oshner kind of started looking at what can we do to have that broader impact on the community. And our senior leadership was, you know, talking with me about besides seating clients, what else could we do? And I'm like, hey, what if we worked with restaurants? And so kind of pitched that idea. They said, yeah, why not? And we just kind of built what does it look like? What do we call it? It's eat fit. What do the nutritional parameters look like? How do we grow it? And that's really how it started. So you developed a program with restaurants where you would develop eat fit dishes that would be on the menu and that would be designated as eat fit dishes. Exactly, exactly. Now, a lot of times the restaurant has something already that fits eat fit criteria. And the criteria, I should say, are designed with people with high blood pressure in mind, 
um, cholesterol issues, inflammatory issues, uh, glucose, you know, diabetes type issues. All of those things are, are in our criteria, but really it's also, and especially for people who, they just want to feel good. They don't want to crash and bottom out after they eat. They want to feel solid and level and steady. So a lot of times the restaurants have things already on their menu that meets that criteria, but sometimes that doesn't even seem like it's the healthier option to someone. You know, that fish dish or the chicken dish or that salad may seem like it's healthier, but the reality is it may not be. So we get in there and we're working closely with the chefs and we'll get the recipes from them. We do the nutritional analysis. We're looking at what's in it as far as the ingredients and then also what the numbers are in terms of sodium and saturated fat and all of that. But there's some, I mean, our, one of our latest partners that comes to mind because they just went live last week is Fat Boys Pizza. Mm. Like, I, I can't even believe it. Mm. When they popped up at the end of our street, I was like, are you kidding me? Fat Boys Pizza, like right down the yeah. street from us. But they have a cauliflower crust pizza. Oh, wait, Fat Boys isn't a great name for a, <laughs> no, a pizza place. No, so. but it's kind of better that now they're an EPIT partner. <laughs> yeah. I love like I love the um, the irony there. And they um, so Fat Boys has three different pizzas that they had these pizzas already when they're served on the cauliflower crust. They fit that Eat Fit criteria. Now we're able to put it on the menu, and we can let people know. So, is are many people going to Fat Boys? Are everyone looking at for that? Maybe not, but there's a lot of times that person who is. And so when they have something on the menu, it makes it easy. And we, we identify it. We put it as eat fit. If they don't have something, though, exactly right. We work with the chef. We, we come up with ideas with them. But it's all about getting their input and, like, what, what is, like, part of the fabric of that restaurant, not us imparting something on them. Did any restaurants resent the idea that this would be a bad image, that it would, or that it would emphasize too much the richness of restaurant food. Did you have any resistance? We have resistance. You know what's surprising? A lot of times the resistance comes from places that are perceived as healthy, but maybe aren't truly healthy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's just say, you know, a health food place that presents themselves as everything's healthy, but a lot of what they have may be refined or it has a lot of sugars added, but from the outside, it looks super healthy. I don't want to give examples, but there's a lot. They're actually the most resistant because they want people to think their whole place is healthy. And then they say, well, but gosh, if only two or three things fits eat fit, what's that going to say about everything else? There is on your website, and I was surprised when I saw this, but I, uh, but I respect the person who did this. And so in that sense, I, I wasn't surprised. But there was a glowing commentary from a restaurateur who talked about it. She says, first of all, this whole eat fit idea is totally you. You get all the credit. And she goes on and on about how important it, um, eat, eating fit is. And it was T. Martin from Commander's Palace, okay? Now, Commander's is one of the great restaurants in the world. I mean, it's a great, you get all the, the lush dishes and all of this. And for T. Martin, of all people, to be endorsing it, I mean, I mean that's quite a commentary. It's giant. It's tremendous. In fact, I don't know if it's just because it's chilly in here, but I kind of got a goosebump as you said that. <laughs> um, yeah, T, so Commander's Palace, you asked earlier, and I said I would answer it here, who was our first partner? Our first official partner was Commander's. And we had done some work with them before of healthier things on their menu. And so when we got the idea that we were going to do this Eat Fit initiative, we reached out to restaurants that I knew personally, people who trusted me and I trusted them. And it was a, I trusted them that I knew I wouldn't know exactly what I was doing at first. And so I needed that, that person with the restaurants to, you know, be able um, not ex to, to be ready for that and be supportive of that and kind of help me learn as we go. 
A&T with Commanders was one of the first three that I reached out to. And so they were the first official to put it on their menu. T got behind it so much. And she she said, well, we've already been doing this other thing that's kind of healthy-ish. If we're going to do it, we're doing it all the way. And we want to be a model for it. And she's really encouraged her chefs. You know, Meg Bickford now is um, executive chef over there. She's encouraged them to embrace it, and they have. And it's something that it's, it's a priority for them. When Meg is designing her menus, because she changes them frequently, she, in her mind, has earmarked which ones she's pretty sure are going to fit, eat, fit. And then our Eat Fit NOLA registered dietitian, Emma Poling, Emma goes over there every month, every other month, sits down with, with Chef Meg, and Meg will run through the recipes. And Emma then kind of crunches the numbers like we talked about, also gets photos of the dish for social. We put it on our app. We put it, um, which I'll tell you about the app in a bit. But t- the, the point of that is that Meg is already designing her menu thinking these four dishes are going to be my Eat Fit dishes here. And she's gotten really good at it. And almost always, we're just basically affirming that, yeah, they do fit. There is somebody, I promise you, who's listening to this podcast and has plans tomorrow night to go to Commander's Palace, right? So what would you advise that person? What would be something that you know is a good eight-fit meal on the Commander's menu? You know, I'm going to fess up right now. I don't know which ones they have on their menu at this moment because she does change them. But I'll tell you how we can find it out. So when someone's listening to this, they can uh, download the app. Uh, the Eat Fit app is free, and you download it. You just is type it in, just called Eat Fit? Yeah. So you type in Eat Fit, put a space in between it, E-A-T space F-I-T. And when you pull it up, it's free to download. You can put in all your personal information, or you can just skip, you know, go in as a guest user. That's going to be the fastest. What's really cool is it geolocates all the restaurants around you that are Eat Fit. So you can, if we pull it up right here, it'll pull up the restaurants in our proximity, or you can type in Commander's Palace. And so you can pull up Commander's Palace, and you'll see, hopefully, a photo of the dishes. Every once in a while, there's times that we don't have photos of the dishes, so we may just have kind of like a little bubble or the restaurant logo. But then what's cool, too, is you see the nutrition facts of the dish. So if someone is mindful of what about my carbs or my sugar or my how much protein am I getting or what's the sodium in that, all of that is there. But for the restaurants... The recipes are all kept confidential. None of that is disclosed, but the nutrition facts of those Eat Fit dishes, the public can see, and so they can use those numbers when they need to. Is it possible to have a Fit gum- gumbo? <laughs> yes, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's um, there are so many different ways that people make gumbo, and if someone is using a flour in their roux, if someone's making that type of a gumbo, what I found is one of the better flours whole wheat flour is not going to work. It's going to be gritty and grainy in there. But some of our chefs have experimented with like a brown rice flour and been happy with the turnout of that. And then if you're putting your lean, you know, seafood or chicken and stuff in there, yeah, it's possible. But but sausage? Yeah, good point. You've got to go really light on that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, on sausage, there is um, chicken sausage, which don't, our our listeners don't, don't turn us off just yet. There's different chicken sausages. There's some that I've seen at Whole Foods specifically that is like an andouille chicken sausage. Uh-huh. Surprisingly good in your gumbo, you know? Yeah. I guess so, bu- I guess boudin is out of the question. Yes, it is. For, for Eat Fit, yeah. But, I mean, if you love it, you love it and have a little bit of it. Yeah. Um, but I just wondered about the, the typical Cajun dishes, like the, the etouffee, the, the, the rice-heavy dishes. Yeah. Um, you know... 
the restaurants will offer different ways. Some offer brown rice. Some will say, hey, this is eat fit served without the rice. We do have a few that are cauliflower rice. So there's all different options there. And really kind of the nature of our eat fit team is we don't force it. We don't force any of it. If a restaurant says, absolutely not, I'm not putting that dish with anything except white rice. It must be served with white rice. All right, let's move on to the next thing. We'll look at other options. So we try to be really mindful and being very aware of what we're asking a restaurant to try. And when we come back with suggestions of, okay, these things, you know, we may think eight things could potentially fit on a menu. Maybe we see that, okay, these three fit as is, these five could fit maybe with some modifications. We're going to be real cautious about what we come back and suggest though, because we don't want to offend or have them go, are you kidding me? Like I would never do that. So we try to be very mindful and respectful of that. And I think across the state, that's just really helped our dietitians form these nice relationships with the restaurants and respected both ways. What's the deal with cauliflower? Why are we seeing so many dishes now made with cauliflower, which to me is a mediocre tasting food, you know, <laughs> at best. But uh. I think it's how neutral cauliflower is, especially if it's raw. Now, if it's cooked and steamed, I mean, it can be pretty pungent. But if it's um, if you're just doing rice to cauliflower, you can buy it already done for you that's in the freezer section or it's in the refrigerated section in the produce area. And it's pretty neutral. You would just kind of lightly heat it. And it's just basically the neutrality of it lets it ha- just be a vehicle for whatever that sauce is. But it's a love it or hate it thing. And I, I'm aware. You know, I was at actually this past Monday a Muslim wedding. It was the first Muslim wedding I've ever gone to. And I had women on both sides of me who were talking to me about the rice alternatives to go with their traditional dishes. And it was, we had this cauliflower rice conversation. Okay. Is <laughs> Very there re- heated. Is there really such a thing scientifically and logically as rice cauliflower? Or is it just <laughs> something that some, some marketing guy just attached to it? You know, that's a really good thing. There is no scientific cauliflower rice. There's no like crossbred <laughs> hybridization of rice yeah. and cauliflower. No, it's simply, it's the idea that if you took rice and a big like cheese grater and went after it and you got little flecks of cauliflower and we call it rice. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of like getting, fooling around cauliflower and make it look like rice a little bit, having the texture and it's kind of pretend rice. Pretend rice is a better way to say it maybe. Now, cauliflower rice, I think, can be, like I said, the, the, the wedding I was at, it was, it was a potentially volatile conversation. One on my right side was all for the cauliflower rice to, to kind of pair with the sauces. The one on the left, absolutely not. Other things, though, that cauliflower is like really versatile with is like whipping it, pureeing it, giving it like the kind of grits-like texture or potato-like texture. You can use it in like baker items. There's cauliflower pizza crust, like we said, at Fat Boy's. When you do it in those ways, it's a little bit more, ah, huh. like I've actually had cauliflower gnocchi and it's really good. The texture of that's really good. And it's less like they're trying to fake us out that it's rice. There are some places, and there's like a little cafe near here, that on Friday sell what he calls crab salad with a K. Okay. <laughs> and I asked her, is this really crabs? No, it's not. Okay. And it's like... I don't know what it's made. I think it's made like with whitefish or something, but it's not really crab. They usually call it like surimi. Okay. Well, they, sh- they shouldn't be able to call it crab, though. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's like it's like plant-based milks. They're, they're, the milk industry is trying to get them to have to spell it with a Y, M-Y-L-K. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then that makes it, you know, 
not milk, and same with crab with a K. I agree, though. Okay. So what if somebody is listening and they say, I want the Somali person to save my life here. Okay. <laughs> so what can you do for them? Okay. So we do have, we've got Eat Fit. That, Eat Fit is our, our community-facing um, initiative. And I should mention, all, that, all the work that we do with the restaurants like that, uh, I'll brag on our team for a little bit. We have dietitians in six cities around the state doing Eat Fit. So what we do here with Eat Fit NOLA, we've got dietitians around the state doing this on the North Shore in Monroe, Shreveport, Acadiana, Baton Rouge. And around the state, we have just under 600 partners, which is really cool. No, but partners, you mean employees or you mean like restaurant partners? Restaurants. Okay. Restaurant partners that have Eat Fit on the menu, Eat Fit identifying those healthy options. Most of them are restaurants. We have some grocery stores we work with. Um, Jazz Fest this year had the Eat Fit seal on the menu, French Quarter Fest. So it's been really cool to see how it can grow and evolve. The Superdome has it, you know, during the football season there. And so um, the, the growth of that is cool. All of that is free. We don't charge our restaurants to participate. So to me, that's a really cool outlet and helping to provide that guide. The app that I mentioned, not only does it help you find your restaurants, you can see what dishes that restaurant has. We can see what Commander's has right now, see a picture of it in the nutrition facts. We also have a shopping guide, like a brand-specific grocery list. And the reason I say brand-specific is how many times have you heard like, oh, whole grain bread, whole grain crackers, a lower sodium pasta sauce. Okay. But then like you're at the grocery store and you're like, I have no idea what that means, you know? Yeah. So this, we walk through all the specific brands and we've compiled from Walmart, Whole Foods, Row Bears, you know? So all these different types of stores are all included in there. And so there's just so many, we have hundreds of recipes on that app. So for just the community, free resources, we have that. We have like a weekly email newsletter with recipes. So if someone says, I'd love to see a dietitian, but for whatever reason, I can't, which will, on a, to see a dietitian, we'll come to that in a minute of kind of what that looks like. If someone is not able to do that, but they're looking for other resources, the app, like we said, we have hundreds of recipes on there. That grocery list, that brand specific grocery guide can really be a nice start because then you can basically fill your pantry and fridge with everything that you know is Eat Fit approved and you can kind of surround yourself with those healthy options to build from. To, so that's kind of the community facing is all the things we have under Eat Fit. We do have two books. We have a cookbook, the Eat Fit cookbook, and then we have Craft, which is our um, guide to zero-proof cocktails that um, one of your folks, Melanie Warner Spencer, edited with us. Right, yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to talk about that in a okay. second, but first, how do you make money off of this? It seems like everything's free. Yeah, so the 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 entire Eat Fit program is completely free to restaurants, so we don't charge. It's something that, you know, when we started the, the concept of this 10 years ago, this is our 10-year anniversary, I should mention. Um, we started in 2013, so we were having our 10-year, this not month, we just decided the whole year uh -huh. is our 10-year anniversary. And when we started 10 years ago, it was really important to me that this is accessible to the restaurants and our local restaurants. And we know that even before COVID, a lot of our local restaurants struggle. And so they, they struggle. We think, oh, wow, that's such a nice restaurant. But if you talk to the owner, you get to know them. You understand sometimes, I mean, they're barely keeping the lights on, you know. So to charge a restaurant a premium to be able to pay for that Eat Fit seal, it was important to me that this is something that is free for the restaurants. So Oshner absorbs it. Oshner absorbs the expense of our team to be out in the community doing the things that we do. On the flip side, inside of Oshner, we do have, inside of our fitness center, we have our dietitians that are our client-facing dietitians. That side is actually revenue-generating because we, we see people that are self-pay, we see people that are covered by insurance or Medicare. 
uh, Medicaid. So that is kind of the, the two arms that we have. Eat Fit is that community outreach, that nonprofit space. And then our dietitians, our team of dietitians we have that is um, client-facing, one-on-one, giving people that guidance, and also is revenue generating for us. And the way, if I forget, the way to reach out to that is um, basically nutrition at ashner.org is the email straight to our scheduler. And then they can kind of give you all the information and check to see like what your insurance is like, what things are covered. But certain diagnoses are always going to be covered. Um, diabetes, for example, is almost always going to be covered by insurance. Um, certain types of kidney disease or kidney failures always covered. But more and more, people's insurance is starting to include and cover preventative nutrition counseling. So that's great. Um, we love that because, of course, you want to get it before all those other things happen. And then, of course, there's the self-pay option as well. Let me ask you about breakfast. Okay. Good. You know, I've always heard, you know, well, breakfast is the healthiest meal of the day, and that's the most important. And um, I never was a big breakfast eater. But, but anyway, when I think about it, Especially growing up, like typical breakfast, like bacon and eggs, okay, <laughs> which I don't think of as being health food exactly, and then uh, or pancakes with syrup and butter and a sort of thing. Um, does breakfast need to be reworked here? There's so much around that. I don't even know where to start. So for one, we used to think that breakfast was the most important meal of the day. A lot of people still think that. A lot of people still say that. A lot of health professionals will still say that. But over the years, we've learned that we don't necessarily have to eat breakfast in order to be healthy. And there's, you know, we want to make sure that throughout the day we're choosing nutritious foods, foods that nourish our body, whole foods, lean proteins, you know, the plants, all the, all the things as, as healthy as possible. But we don't necessarily have to have breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, you know, kind of on a clockwork. There's the concept of intermittent fasting that um, you th- people can spin it in different ways, and it looks different ways for different people, and the fasting window may be different. But a lot of people have had great success with doing intermittent fasting, and that might mean they may not eat till, let's say, 11 a.m., uh, or they have lunch and then snack and then dinner. And so they're kind of shortening that window. They eat through the day, which might mean they don't eat breakfast or whatever that looks like of when they're choosing their fasting window or their fueling window. But the research on intermittent fasting has been really surprising that even in spite of doing that, people maintain their muscle mass. They can improve their cholesterol, their blood pressure, glucose levels. So there's a lot to that, which doesn't mean we have to eat breakfast. But if someone wants to eat breakfast, and we want you to, of course, and as much as possible, I like to get that source of protein in with that breakfast. That protein is very stabilizing. Um, it helps with that mental focus, that mental performance. One of the worst breakfasts, I think, is, well, there's a lot of worse probably, but um, just regular breakfast cereal with milk and juice. Uh-huh. It's just carb, carb, carb. You know, it's very little protein in that. Or like you said, like waffles and syrup. Or a lot of breakfasts are just, I had a guy that told me his mom used to give him uh, white bread and sugar sandwiches. Mm-hmm. White bread mm-hmm. with sugar and butter in between the two pieces of bread. And that was, <laughs> it was <laughs> breakfast. But so l- instead, okay, how do we have that protein? And so something like maybe your eggs minus the bacon would be, you know, a better option. But there's a lot around breakfast. How about oatmeal? Like I like it. Um, the it's, it's more still that whole grain carbohydrate. So what I'll see a lot is someone has a bowl of oatmeal that's maybe a large bowl of oatmeal and a couple of slices of whole grain bread or oatmeal and fruit. And that's carb and carb, you know, whichever way we cut it, 
there's not really a lot of protein. There's really not protein or fat there. So for a lot of times what I find the recommendation ends up being is, well, let's have oatmeal and then a source of protein, maybe oatmeal with an egg. I've had some people tell me they love stirring, this is bizarre, but cottage cheese into their oatmeal and it gives a creaminess. Other people put like almond butter or peanut butter into their oatmeal. You or, know, or, or yogurt. Yeah, yeah, because they get to get the tang there. So whatever it is that is going to help or you get that butter. protein. Yeah. I, I never do that, okay. But it gets <laughs> kind of savory, sweet yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah. So the the oatmeal is a good whole grain. Then I'll look at, okay, what are we going to pair it with for some protein and some fat? Mm-hmm. Well, if you think of the origin of the word breakfast, it's like break fast. Right. Okay, you know, between dinner and... I guess whenever, but um, I did have a doctor one time. It was an Oxford doctor who said you shouldn't eat breakfast. And, and then I mentioned to another person like you, I shouldn't say nutritionist, I should say... Registered dietitian. Okay, di- to a registered dietitian. said, oh, you're crazy, you should eat breakfast, you know, so... Yeah, there's a, there's, that's why I said there's a lot around breakfast. But when you look at the research, you look at the data, do we, do I think that is... I don't think it's a correct statement to say everybody must eat breakfast. I don't think that's correct to say anymore with what we know. Um, I think it can depend on when someone's choosing to have that timing. But regardless, when you do choose to eat for the first time in your day, I want it to be really nutritious. I want to make sure we have that protein in there. So if we have that whole grain carb like oatmeal or whole grain toast or something, then I would still say, what are we putting with it for that protein? What is growing is the breakfast restaurant industry. I mean, there's more and more restaurants the breakfast places. Do you go to them a lot? Not a lot. Maybe there's one near my house, so maybe like two or three times a year. Yeah, it's something that when I pass by them, let's just say on like a Tuesday, I'm like, how is this place full at like 10, uh, 10 a.m. on a Tuesday? You know? Yeah, what is it? Uh, the Ruby Slipper? Yeah. They actually started, I knew the people that were right around the corner from my house, and they thought, I said, this, this is nuts doing this. And they were just really. Spectacular. I mean, the crowds that they drew. You know, there. The okay. husband and wife couple. What? The husband and wife. Yeah, yeah. Because they hadn't had restaurants before. I believe they opened Ruby Slipper. I think it was maybe a new. They a didn't. New venture. They had big success and yeah. they expanded. But, it, but anyway. All right. Let's talk about booze here. Uh, <clears throat> one of your books is a craft cocktail thing, and um, the zero proof cocktail. So that would mean no liquor. It means no liquor. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. We're trying to do our best to, Uh, you know how people say sunset a thing? Well, we're trying to sunset the word mocktail. uh Do away with the word mocktail as much as we can. Mocktail kind of brings to mind juice type drinks. And what we realized is when we're talking to bartenders at our restaurants and we're looking at asking bartenders at restaurants to create a drink that doesn't have alcohol and is low sugar and is an eat fit option for that, um, we would get an eye roll every time we would say a mocktail. And then somewhere along the way, one of the bartenders referenced a zero proof cocktail mm-hmm. and it changed everything. And when we started using that language with the bartenders, totally different tone in working with us. They were happy to do it. Yeah. You all promoted this idea, I forget the exact phrase, but it involved the number 40. Yeah. Like going 40 days without, yeah. uh, without a cocktail. And I'm aware of it because a couple of years ago, some people in this office did that. They tried it. I don't know how they did. Kelly, do you know how they did? Did they make it? Or? Yeah, Melanie is still sober, and she is going with it. And now I think Molly has a couple of things with her, and they have some collaboration, and she has her own... Zero proof. 
outlets. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, so alcohol free for 40 Good. is is that. Yeah, so it's um this was one of those things that, you know, you like you brace yourself cuz you don't know how it's going to be taken. So it was um about 2015 and I was um writing for the newspaper with the weekly column and I don't know if you ever worked with Ann Maloney. She was my my editor. She was the food editor for the okay. newspaper for years, but she was my direct editor that I reported to. And we would meet, you know, once a month, she and, and the other food writers, restaurant writers, and myself um, to kind of talk story ideas and, uh, and article ideas. And they would bring me, the nutritionist, in. And, you know, I said, hey, what do y'all think about a challenge encouraging people at Mardi Gras to give up al- or after Mardi Gras to give up alcohol for 40 days, make it their own self-experiment, do certain measurements before and after. And we just even with them, I was bracing myself. And they said, we love it. I'm like, okay, like, and so then I tried it myself right before, right, it was actually in December, um, just because I was like, I'm going to ask people to do this, I want to see for myself, because mm-hmm. that's hard, you know, in yeah. New Orleans, I mean, we have so many people that are like 40 days without alcohol, I don't go 40 hours without mm-hmm. alcohol, you know, and so that first year, just 2016 um, Carnival, right, right after that, we did our, our very first year, and it has grown and grown and grown. Um, we've now sort of absorbed it into the Eat Fit space. Our dietitians around the state, we host events in all the cities where we have Eat Fit that I mentioned earlier. We host kickoff events there. And so we bring a lab team on site. We bring everything on site. So people come, it's like one-stop shop. They get all their blood work done. They get physical markers. So we get like their blood pressure. We get um, body composition, body fat, and all that. We take a really close photo of their face. We do all these things. And then at the end of the 40 days, we do the same thing. And the improvements we have this year, um, we had about 500 people coming through. And the feedback, because we have them do pre and post surveys and all that, 56% say they had better energy. Like 54% said they slept better. 44% said less anxiety because people don't realize how much when we drink regularly, it actually is, um, it's overstimulating basically our body's stress response. So we might be eating to relax, but it's doing the opposite. And then all these, all their labs, their blood work, there's just so much improvement in all of those markers. So it's really a cool thing year after year to see it. We have a lot of people who they do it that 40 days. It's kind of their annual reset. They go back, kind of continue drinking, but they kind of, at least for the next couple of months, have kind of buffered it, you know, kind of gets them on their reset. By the time the holidays come, Mardi Gras comes, they're ready to do it again the following mm-hmm. Lent. And then we have some people, they do it one time, and it's a life changer for them. My my thought on a lot of those people who don't go back to drinking even after the first, uh, Melanie had done it several different times who we were talking about, and then she kind of said, you know what, why do I keep doing this? Like, I, I feel better, year, you know, if I just did this year-round. There's other people who have shared that they kind of had maybe – a worry. Do I have a healthy relationship with alcohol? Do I need to change this? But they weren't ready to really acknowledge that to themselves. That's kind of a scary thing, a scary statement to even say to yourself. But something like alcohol free for 40, it's a fun, non-threatening health challenge. You're just dipping your toe in it, but it gives them that opportunity and that social support and camaraderie. And then they can see, can I do it? And how do I feel? Remember several years ago, 60 Minutes, there's a story about, I think, some French scientists said that red wine was good for you, it was good for the blood, and good, good for the heart, and especially Merlot. That, that started the whole Merlot fad and all that. 
And so red wine became really, really popular. For, and it might still be. I, I don't know. Oh, people drink it like medicinally. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. must have. It, yeah, it's like pass the medicine, please. <laughs> right. okay. what, 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 is that true? There's so much on this now. It's stunning. So there is research that, yes, alcohol, including red wine, and red wine has other compounds in it that make it even more, can ha, are associated with a lower risk of heart disease. And some of it is um, that it may have a positive impact on our HDL, which is our good cholesterol. Others may be social drinking, kind of the, the beneficial effects of that socialization. But there's far more research showing a negative on alcohol. Um, it's classified as a carcinogen, meaning it causes cancer, like what we see as uh, smoking classes as a carcinogen. Um, there's, a, there's a lot that is showing so much negative impact on alcohol that I think if someone is looking at, I'm not a big drinker, do I want to drink to improve my health? The answer would probably be no. Okay. Cocktails. Um, okay, here's why I don't look good, because I, I find myself being more interested in cocktails and actually less interested in wine. Like, to me, all wines pretty much taste alike, okay? The cocktails, you can really be creative. I mean, you got different flavors and a slice of orange in there and a cherry. I, I, I mean, you go... Th- it's more to behold. Than There's the, than so the much creativity. Yeah. Um, it's more. It's more interesting. Yeah. Than anything is, you know, and having an old fashioned or I'm kind of partial to Sazeracs, to me, is a good thing. <laughs> and and that was one of the things that was sort of the catalyst of craft of the, of our book. And so we work with these bartenders around town, and we work with them to create these zero proof cocktails throughout alcohol free for 40, so that we can make it easier for people who are doing the challenge, if they're gonna go out, you know, they can have these drinks that you talked about. And so we were working with Ethan Skaggs. He was at the time the bartender for, the bar director for Grigri. And Ethan and I did a, a zero proof cocktail demo on the first night of alcohol free for 40. Um, it was like right after COVID or kind of like I think the first year we were able to do after COVID. So everything was virtual and all. And when we were done, he said, have you ever thought about doing a zero proof eat fit cocktail book? And I was like, I love that idea. And that was really how it came because it was, how can we give people the tools to have some of these drinks that are familiar to them, beautiful to them. And then, you know, but giving them ways that they can have something like that Sazerac or a Manhattan, the Cosmo in a way that, Still. So you've actually got a Sazerac. Yeah, I'm opening the page, y'all, for the the Sazerac, for Errol to see, and then we've got, I believe it's, I don't know if it's a, a few pages. Okay, your first after. thing is two ounces of zero proof whiskey. Does that exist? It exists. Can you even believe this? Yeah, it is wild. So the book was published in 2022, and we wrote it in 21. And we wondered how much is going to change because we, we mentioned brands and stuff like that. And at the time that we were writing it, all of these zero-proof spirits were only available online. Well, by the time the book published, what had changed is that these were available. If you go to like Total Wine, you know, of course mm-hmm. we know it for wine. They have an entire section for zero-proof spirits. In places like Whole Foods, Martin Wine Cellar has an incredible selection of it. So it's um, interesting just how far-reaching... Bars, restaurants are starting to carry these zero-proof spirits. So it's pretty neat. Okay. If anybody gets the book, it's on page 73. <laughs> okay. And it, and it still allows, though, Peychaud bitters mm-hmm. and Angostura bitters. Yeah. You know, bitters, of course. Um, El Guapo, 
is specifically a zero proof or, or non-alcoholic or no alcohol containing bitters from what I understand. The pastries and the Angostura, I think we have a, a note on there that they do have somewhere in here we talk about bitters. They, they've got s uh, some alcohol on them, but the amount you're using in a drink is extremely trace. So we have we, the whole front section of the book is a lot of just education in there. And so that's something that if it's triggering for someone, then we would recommend leaving it out or switch to something like El Guapo. Okay. We like to have like little fun facts, education. You know, you yeah, can't have well, a dietitian do it. Oh, a it's book. a beautiful book. It's really well done. Yeah, it's like school. Well, it's done by Pelican. Huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this one is one of my favorites too. Well, I love this image of the Manhattan. I thought that picture was so pretty. And um, our photographer was actually our Eat Fit Monroe dietitian, and she did just a beautiful job with the photos, the lighting. Ethan, who I mentioned, the bar uh, expert that was at Grigri, who created the the concept of the book. He worked on the book, the recipes with us. Um, so he styled all the drinks. Hope Fruge photographed the drinks. And the glassware is so beautiful. Um, this is actually the person who has done my hair for decades, Jeffrey Clark. He started dealing in vintage glassware a couple of years ago. And so it was perfect because he, any kind of the cool glassware you see in here all came from Jeffrey Clark too. Okay. So it was just, it was a, a definitely a... Um, a collaborative effort. And then Melanie Warner Spencer, we had a really quick turnaround to pull this book together. And I was really nervous that we needed a bigger oversight than Ethan and I and Hope doing the photography. And so Melanie came in and served as executive editor. She donated her time, volunteered her time for this. And then we had our dietitian in Baton Rouge, Savannah Latimer, that served as our um, project coordinator for the book. So really all of us pulling it together very quickly. And we we think it's so beautiful, too. So thank you. Well, you all did a great job. I mean, it's a beautiful book. and uh, um, well, I'm anxious to get ideas from it. Good. All thank right. you. Let's just talk briefly um, about desserts. Is there, is there a good dessert other than the, an apple? <laughs> <laughs> well... I wouldn't recommend. I wouldn't. I don't think I would ever just tell you eat an apple and call it dessert. I mean, you can, and if, you, if the person who does it, that's great. You know, the person who's like, mm, "This is so good," it's like dessert. But let's be honest: when someone's saying dessert, they don't mean just an apple. Yeah. Um, so yes, now, I used to have. Whenever I was on the plane, and they offered you a drink. I used to always get apple juice. And when they were sitting there, and I read the contents of the apple juice. Figure it was it was just bursting with vitamin C, D, and it had nothing in it. No, <laughs> it, was, it was all zero. Sugar. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 ounce for ounce, as much sugar as like a Sprite or a Coke. Yeah. So what's the big deal with apple juice? I mean, I, and, and that was my last apple juice on the plane. <laughs> so juice in general, we don't recommend for someone who's you know trying to be mindful of of, of a healthy diet. Fresh fruit, by all means, but fruit juice, no. And so what you would see in craft and the drink book we were just looking at, when we do use a juice in there, a, we use a very small amount of a fruit juice. So we do have some that contain fruit juice, but it's it's a nominal amount to keep the sugars down. So fresh fruit, yes. Fruit juice, you know, it's, it's very dense with sugar. But on dessert, there's a lot of, 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 so there's a lot of ways you can make some cool bakery items, the baked goods. Um, our other book, the Eat Fit Cookbook, we have a whole section that we call Indulge, that we've got recipes that are made with things like almond flour. Why I like almond flour for bakery items, baked goods, is it looks and tastes more like regular white flour. 
Because if you're going to, again, make that de- uh, the dessert with whole wheat flour, it's going to be grainy, gritty. It's going to look like a whole wheat cookie. And like nobody mm-hmm. wants whole wheat cake or cookie. Yeah. Whereas almond flour has that light color, that light texture, and does really well with it. There's a lot of plant-based sweeteners now, things like Swerve and different kind of plant-based sweeteners that work really well. Our book, I'm proud of that. We have a lot there. We have a lot of recipes for free on our app. Um, just this morning, I was taping a TV segment. It hasn't aired yet. It'll air in a few weeks. But we were doing a TV segment on brownie mixes that you can find at the grocery store. And I was stunned. There was three different brownie mixes at Walmart even, between Walmart or Rouse's or Robert's, regular grocery stores, three brownie mixes that are almond flour and plant-based sweeteners, no artificial sweeteners, no sugar. They were everything that you would look to make it from scratch. One is the brand Swerve. They have a brownie mix. One is called Birch Benders. But the third was Duncan Hines. They have like a, a, a brownie mix that was actually pretty decent nutritionally. Yeah. So it was the third, like not as good as the other two nutritionally, but still really close. So there's a lot of stuff popping up in stores that's making it easier for us too. Well, that's really interesting to know, yeah. Um, okay, well, this has been delightful. Uh, I've learned a lot. Thanks, Philip. So let me leave you with this. True confession, any guilty pleasures? There's a lot of stuff that I like to eat that's not specifically nutritious, mm-hmm. but well, I don't I don't feel guilty about it. That would make yeah. it guilty though. Uh, uh, so. Yeah, so I don't feel guilty about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I don't think I have a guilty pleasure. I eat things that people say, "Really, you eat uh-huh. that?" So my favorite. So I would say that uh-huh. is, um, I love. Well, I love. Like my husband makes a homemade pasta with a cream sauce. And sometimes he puts shrimp in it. Sometimes, if he's being really fancy. Well, he actually makes the pasta itself? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the homemade pasta is delicious. And then um, good good bread, like a sourdough bread. My sister-in-law makes a really good homemade bread that she, she does her own sour bread starter. She's got it going. So we're like the recipients of that on the regular when she's doing bread. Bread with like a good butter or dipped in olive oil is probably one of my favorite things. And a, and a good sourdough bread or something like that. Olive oil is a good Mm-hmm. I love olive oil, yeah. yeah. But bread, cheese, those are things that I just I love. Like I said, I don't feel I don't feel bad about them, yeah. you know. And then we had somebody said, um, "Do you ever eat anything?" You know, you know how people ask these questions, sort of like what you said, but sometimes people ask it with like more indignancy, you know, uh-huh. like, "Do you ever?" Eat? And we'll have something even like Popeyes a couple of times a year. My husband loves it, yeah. And so like I'll do you know something like that. Maybe a lot of people say they have it on like Mardi Gras. We probably yeah. have it maybe three times a year. We'll get that. I've done studies. Popeyes twice a year is okay. <laughs> you have published research. Yeah. <laughs> and you can sneak in one of those biscuits on the, <laughs> alongside Popeyes and the biscuit. All right. So just to um, anybody wants to keep up with you, okay, so first of all, there's the app. Yeah, the Eat Fit app. You just type in Eat Fit into your app store. Um, you can follow Eat Fit on social. And that one, if you, if you put Eat Fit into Instagram or Facebook, it should come up. But it's Ashner Eat Fit is the account. My personal account is Molly Kimball RD. Um, and then I have a website for me that's, you know, Molly Kimball. And I have a podcast uh, myself and the weekly TV segment. I, I link to those things. And too. what's the podcast called? The podcast is called Fueled, Fueled Wellness and Nutrition. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we link to those on my website. And then the Eat Fit website also. If you type in just Eat Fit, it's, it's ashnereatfit.com, or you can type in Eat Fit NOLA. You know, do you have like a facility, like a place or something? On the Thank you. We have our fitness center, um, Ashner Fitness Center. We have three locations. The main one, which is where a lot of our offices are, is on Clearview Parkway, um, kind of on the way to the Huey P. 
And then we have one right across the street from your offices, the Heritage Plaza location. And then we have one downtown on Poydras Street. So what goes on there? Well, people exercise there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have, that's where our dietitians are located, is the one uh-huh. on Clearview. The dietitians that meet so with people So people can one-on-one. go and they can Exactly. And inside of that, what's really cool is in the back area, um, used to be the back hallway that's, it's kind of changed different things over the years. And um, it has... Now we have a spa. It's called Elevate Spa, and it is beautiful. So you can access us through the front doors of the fitness center, go through the fitness center and get into our back area, or you can park in the back. You come in the spa entrance, and we have things like massage. We have um, an esthetician. We have nutrition. We have all types of services back there, and it's just a really cool, um, you know, it's a spa. It's a really cool environment to go into. So when someone thinks, oh, I'm going to the dietitian, it may not, it doesn't feel clinical. You know, you're not yeah. going to what feels like another doctor's visit. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. For you're making a great way. contribution to humanity uh, by doing all this. So. Thanks. I really appreciate those words. Not to mention to the bars by coming up with another drink. So, <laughs> so anyway, this has um, been Molly Kimball. And uh, keep up with all that she's doing. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, Errol. Bye-bye.